0: How did World War I change the way that we read time? Well, let me tell you about it. Welcome to Design Dive, the podcast that explores design that's all around us every Wednesday for just 10 to 15 minutes, so you can get on with your day. My name's Chris Downs, and whether you're a designer or just simply curious about how design impacts our everyday life, you're in the right place. So, let's dive in. Today, we're going to talk about the wristwatch. Now, there's a whole history behind timekeeping that goes on for centuries that I just do not have time to talk about right now. But really, I just want to talk about the design of the wristwatch and how it became such an important part of society today. So much so that most of us wear one every single day. And if you're like me, I can't live without it. But how did that specific design become so popular now let's rewind and talk about the inventor of the first wristwatch his name was Abraham Louis Bruguet. he designed a watch for the Queen of Naples Caroline Marat the younger sister of Napoleon Bonaparte in 1810 that's when we see the very first upbringing of this wristwatch now we move forward in time and there is a distinct separation between wristwatches and pocket watches. Wrist watches were thought of to be more feminine and for women in design, they were typically thinner and had a more petite appearance, which is why they were more popular amongst women. Uh, and we have pocket watches, which were more masculine and more popular amongst men. Later, we see those social nam- norms begin to shift. Now, the Swiss brand Gerard Perigo created a collection of 2,000 wrist watches. This was meant for the German Navy in 1880 and it was meant to be more so a tool in combat uh, more than just telling time. Now the brand Omega eventually followed and they created the first minute repeating watch in 1892. Essentially it's a watch that just had a lot of specs and charm that related to a pocket watch and how it functioned. In 1914, we see World War I taking form, and ultimately, it was a grand movement for the wristwatch. At that time, military combat was changing in a big way. We see trench warfare on the rise, and eventually, uniforms would need to change in order to keep up with this fast-paced movement. So, with the uniforms, we see two big changes that happen. We see one, they transitioned from heavy greatcoats to trench coats to increase mobility, make it easier to move around from place to place. And two, we moved from a vestless uniform. Uh, So that made it harder to attach or even access a normal pocket watch at the time. So we start to see a problem being laid here. Most soldiers were moving away from the pocket watch because while the enemy was firing on you, you didn't want to scramble into your coat or your vest to try to pull out your pocket watch, check the time and then stuff it back in. It just didn't make sense. And under combat, that might even mean your life. Watch brands caught wind of this flaw and decided to move in with a solution. So we see Rolex, Omega, and other watch brands create a watch that was more affordable, and most of them had things in common, such as metal covers uh, to protect the glass. We have prominent dials, so they're easy to adjust the time if needed, Um, large numerals that are easily visible, and luminescent hands that are easy to see in darker conditions. So these factors played a role into these watches and became popular amongst soldiers now in world war one these watches became so prominent that most militants were required to wear wrist watches but the unfortunate part is the watches were not being supplied by the military so As a soldier, it was up to you to figure out how you were going to get one. So what happened? We see a wave of marketing take over and present wristwatches by highlighting features that would be important to someone who is about to enter combat. So let's talk about the watch and how it became an important tool at this time. On the Western front, we see watches becoming number two for being the most important tool next to the rifle. It literally was a way to preserve life and was used in strategy. A new strategy of warfare at that time would utilize and maximize the takeover of enemy trenches. And this was called the Creeping Barrage. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what this was. Artillery would strike on an enemy trench while nearby soldiers would just wait for artillery to finish before moving in once firing was complete and they would take over that enemy trench. Now, with this strategy, precise timing was required from both heavy artillery and the infantry. They had to rely on exact timing to know when firing was going to be over and to know when to begin to move into these trenches and take them over. So they developed a system of moving forward 50 meters per minute and being in sync and precise was vital. Failure to do so probably meant death due to friendly fire or failure to capture a trench. Now, before a barrage would happen, you would hear phrases such as synchronize, ready your watches in order to help everyone stay in sync. So if you were in war and heard that phrase, you knew to look down, check your watch and make sure it was good to go because that could mean your life. Now, coming home, these soldiers brought back the habit of wearing these watches The idea that wristwatches were more feminine and more so for women before the war were long gone. Now imagine telling someone at that time, a man that fought for their country and relied on that watch to stay alive, that they were less of a man for wearing a watch. That wouldn't go over well. So we can see that social norm absolutely being nixed and the wristwatch taking over the market. Now, today, there's a long history of where the wristwatch came from. Let's just talk about digital watches briefly. In 1972, Hamilton introduced the world's first commercial digital watch. 1972. Get this. It retailed for a whopping $2,100, which, if you adjust for inflation, is around... $12,000 today absolutely mind-boggling that a watch of that era costs that much but we get to the late later end of the 1970s and digital watches were down to around 10 bucks so let the lesson be learned that if technology is expensive now give it a few years and it will for sure come down in price we also get to smart watches today which amazing what smart watches can do if you have one. You can make phone calls off of them, check the weather, make payments, track health metrics such as your heart rate, uh, things of that sort. There's so much that you can do beyond just telling time. It's amazing to see where watches have come today and the power and the technology that we can pack into such a small device. Now, This podcast is just talking about the wristwatch, where it came from, and how it became such an important part of society today. It all came down to the design of it, being able to have the time on your wrist so it was easier to look at in a time of war in order to preserve your life, ushered in how we use wristwatches today. So there's some lessons that we can learn from this. Design can change how a society functions and how we move throughout the day. Such a small tool like the wristwatch keeps the world in motion. It helps us stay on track and aware of the movement of time. So the next time that you look down at your watch, just remember that that design is what influenced the movement of war and ultimately push the popularity and usefulness of the watch today and how we conceive time. And that's our dive. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the channel, leave a rating or review, and share this podcast with others if you have time. But until next time, keep learning, stay inspired, and remember that design is all around us. See ya.